will you please stop creating fake news and causing hysteria in our country? You're a liar. Everything that comes out of your mouth is a lie, and we'd really appreciate it if you'd stop. Okay? Nobody believes anything that you say. You've got to stop. You're not helping anything. People like you need to just go away. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, party people. Thank you for joining us and welcome to episode 320 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, the guy who should probably just go away. Jesse Dollimore, and sitting across from me, my lovely yet some days lackluster co-host, Brittany Page. Can't you just stop? <laughs> no one believes what you have to say. Fake news. Fake news. Just please <laughs> stop. It has been a great week. An interesting <laughs> week, to say the least, Brittany Page. Yeah. You could say that. <laughs> I always, I was adjusting. I wasn't looking at you and I was expecting something else. And then it was like a, yeah, well, just resigning to the fact that, I mean, I guess I posted about it. I mean, it's, I think people are surprised when they learn that we get death threats. And when I say we, I really mean you, (laughs) because no one wants me to die. They all want you to die. Um, <laughs> but that's primarily because you are more visible, yeah, right? You do yeah. the videos sure. and you're also, you know, more a little, radical a little than little me. A little bit more fiery. I wouldn't say radical. Yeah. Come on. Okay. How, how, what kind of justification can I mount for myself if my goddamn co-host what I'm saying is, is also identifying me as a radical? What I'm saying is they have a point and, <laughs> uh, are, are they swaying you? Well, maybe you should be dead. <laughs> No, they're not swaying me. Um, it's been pretty remarkable. We've had some interesting experiences. Yes. I don't want to go into detail about some of them because we might at a later time. What are you, CNN? We reserve the right to talk about certain things we do. at a later date. Well, I have something more important to talk about, which is someone lied to my face. Wow. Yeah. Someone lied to your face. Yeah, it was pretty insulting. So here's what happened. I was at a bar. Oh. And... Den of iniquity. It was actually with Drew Levine, who was on the show. That's right. We were all at the bar, and I ordered my gin gim, my gin gimlet, okay? Your little fancy code words <laughs> for the drink. Gin gim. And the guy goes to make it, and he grabs that bottle of fake lime juice. Yeah, which, by the way... And I was horrified when I saw it. That is a chemically... Oh, I don't know what it's made out of. He but essentially poured gasoline Yeah, in there's my not drink. a goddamn chance there's any lime whatsoever in those bottles. It's disgusting. It completely changes the taste of the yeah. drink. So I said, you know what? I actually haven't tried it with that before. Maybe it's not that bad. I've just heard that it's bad, okay? So I get the drink. We go sit down. I start drinking it. And it's like I'm drinking gasoline. I mean, it was disgusting. <laughs> And so I decided that I wasn't going to put myself through that. 
I was shocked when you got up to go bring the drink back. And I got up and I went to the same bartender who made it. And I said, listen, I, I hate to be a douche, but I... <laughs> Wait. <laughs> That's what you said? Yeah. I hate to be a douche? Yes. Um, Did he say, yeah, you know, I hate it too? <laughs> no. <laughs> he actually said, do you want fresh lime juice? Oh, he knew right away. Yeah. And I said, yes. He's caught in his filthy web of lies. Yes. I said, yes, you lazy person i would like <laughs> fresh lime juice how how gender non-specific of you yeah and <laughs> so he made it and then he comes back and he says to me you know all of the classic recipes for gin gimlets call for the fake lime juice which will from now on be called douche juice yeah whatever and or is that vinegar and water <laughs> let's not get into specifics <laughs> And he's lying because I I did some research, and according to my research, this is not the case. Your expert drink research. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not a bartender or anything, so someone who has worked in the field for a long time, please call, tell me if I'm wrong, is the official original recipe with the fake poison juice? Is that what it requires? Douche juice. The poison, Douche disgusting, juice. fake lime juice. Douche juice. I mean, or was everyone just lazy when they first created the drink? What's going on? Did they even have that poison-ass bullshit back in the day when a Jen Gimlet was Who created? Who knows? I mean, I can't believe he said that to my face. Well, Jen Gimlet, for those of you who don't know... Oh, and yeah, for I guess the, we should have gone into that. For the three people out there who care about this, yeah, it is gin, lime juice... Fresh lime juice. And a, a small amount of simple syrup... Which is one part water, one part sugar. Shaken. Goddamn, we have gone off the rails, Brittany Shaken. Page. Shaken for yes. Brittany Page. Yes. So she hates liars. And fake lime juice. At, le <laughs> at least it was only this kind of a lie. At least it didn't lead us to war in Iraq <laughs> or something major. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't Donald Trump Jr. level lying. Right. That is right. correct. <laughs> All right. Let's get to a few voicemails before we move on. Uh, first, we have one that is kind of a... We've had listeners in the past submit poetry. Yes. For lack of a better term. And maybe that's because that is the word. <laughs> and uh, here is a submission that I, I think it's from a listener because even though he's saying things that are derogatory about the show, it seems that he is doing it in good fun because at the end he says the best part, blah blah blah. Why am I? Why just, am I? Just play the. I'm thing. ruining it. Yeah, I'm ruining the thing. Sorry, Nathaniel. Who could possibly listen to this curmudgeonly cuckish, callously cantankerous, uncreative coddler of the communist Clinton, clowning, calling, crabby, flaking, creepily, creepily, consciously, incompetently, quasi-consciously clasping to the Kremlin crap pottery cunt? This podcast isn't the best part. Nathaniel from Texas is the best part. Wink. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I like a wink at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's clever. Um, that was interesting. So thank you, Nathaniel from Texas. We appreciate the submission. I don't know that I can be called a Clinton coddler, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's tough to stick with the alliteration. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You do what you got to do. <laughs> All right. Let's get on to a question via voicemail. Hey, guys. This is Ethan from Colorado. 
Uh, I just wanted to call in and touch briefly on the Betsy DeVos situation that's currently going on uh, with 18 individual states suing her for the uh, regulations that she refuses to put in place. As somebody who's personally burned by the Corinthians College situation that happened here a handful of years ago, uh, this kind of gets to me a little bit. Uh, you know, with her putting off these regulations, it feels like a slap in the face to somebody who's been burned by for-profit colleges. So I just kind of wanted to call in and give my two cents. Uh, thanks, guys. Really appreciate what you guys do. Love you guys. Yeah, so let's talk about what this is. Well, we were going to talk about last time and then got a little late, but it's important. Right, so she is announcing a reset of the rule that is called or known as borrower defense to repayment. Yeah. And the issue at hand here is the obligation of students to repay their loans when the college that they attended has been found to have committed fraud, misled students, or otherwise violated state laws. Right. And so Ethan mentioned the Corinthian College. Corinthian College, that's right. Which is a for-profit chain of colleges with 70,000 students and more than 100 campuses that uh, no longer is a thing. because of a regulatory crackdown. And then the same thing happened with ITT Tech, which may be more familiar to some people depending on which part of the country you're from. That's right, yeah. Um, Well, well, hang on. Before we move on, a lot of these colleges, what they do and why they fall into these fraud situations is they make guarantees to the students. Mm -hmm. They, They posture themselves as organizations that 99% of our graduates go on to have great jobs. We have connections, deep connections within these industries, and we'll be able to place you in prime position. So they recruit these students under the guise of that promise, and then they renege on that promise, and people are left with mountains of student debt and no prospects for employment. Right, so the point of the rule that she wants to reset is the rule requires that colleges under regulatory scrutiny put up collateral to share the cost of making students whole in the event of a shutdown. Essentially, that the students shouldn't feel the burden here when they have loans Yeah. and they are stuck with this school situation after the school has committed fraud or, or whatever it might right. be, Yeah. and they have you know, loans that they need to be paying back. So the rule provides automatic relief when a large number of students are affected by a college shutdown. Yeah, like a Trump University or a Corinthian college. Right, but Betsy DeVos is saying that the rule uh, missed the opportunity to get it right, she said. The result is a muddled process that is unfair to students, schools, and puts taxpayers on the hook for significant costs. So how, how is it unfair to students exactly. to indemnify them for tens of thousands of dollars in debt that they incurred while being defrauded by a for-profit school? Well, it's fascinating to me because every time I hear... Betsy DeVos's name in the news, she's doing something hateful. Right. <laughs> um, that That is not, I mean, hateful is a strong word, but no, no, no. it's not I, beneficial. It is not helpful. I was taking a drink and I was going to say, I don't think that's even hyperbole. Oh. When you don't stand for innocent kids and adult students who are doing what the Republican Party would say they should do, pull themselves up by their bootstraps 
Go to school. Make yourself a better person. And then they do that. They get defrauded by a, by a company like Corinthian College. And Betsy DeVos says, ah, well, I'm going to protect the company, not the individual. Yeah, I mean. That's hateful. Ever since she has been in her role, the headlines have been, look at what she's doing for student loans, interest rates, um, this for-profit college thing. Right. Uh, now she's meeting with men who are accused of rape. Um, to hear their side. Oh, what was your side of the story when you when you were accused of rape? Which, I mean, listen, that's that's fine, Okay. But it's maybe not fine taken collectively with her history here. Right. You know, I mean, if someone was, let's say, an advocate for rape victims and then they decided they wanted to, like, hear the stories of men that were accused or whatever, I might be like, okay, yeah, I don't know. But it's just her continued record of doing things that make me say, wait, what in the hell is she doing? Again... I want to remind the audience, I didn't prep any clips or anything because we're just going to touch on this because of the voicemail, but this is the lady who, when asked, have you ever taken out a student loan? No. Have your children ever had to take out a student loan? No. Have you ever run a student loan program? No. Uh, well, not only she- that, did your par- did your family, anyone in your family, you ever need financial aid? Did you ever need to apply for it? No, no. No, in fact, how did you come into your money? Oh, multi-level marketing, where you leech off people who are trying to to reach up and make something out of themselves, and they get cheated along the way. What was she involved with? Amway? Amway. That's how they made their billions. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's dis- she's a disgusting person. She's not doing her job in good faith. She is taking massive budget cuts. To her, to her education department with a fucking smile. And I don't mean that she's just going to grin and bear it. I mean, she's gleefully breaking down the system of, of the Department of Education day after day. She's a terrible person. It's, it's no good. So, we listen, we feel for you, Ethan. Um, it's not a good deal, but... Uh, look, stay strong. I, I really think the change is coming. It might be a little longer than we'd like, but change is coming. I believe she also said that there are 16,000 cases right now that are pending and that those will still go through. Well, that's that's some news. Mm-hmm. That's probably statutorily required. I don't know. But if they're allowing them to go through, that probably means that they're just they're in the system and there's no way to yank them. All right. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much, Ethan. And now on to an an old time, long time listener that we haven't heard from in a I keep saying long time, but it's been a long time, Brittany. Burnt. Hey guys, it's Burnt. Just calling to uh comment on, you know, Joe Scarborough leaving the Republican Party. Um, I think it's the uh I was talking to a friend about this and we both believe that maybe it's the beginning of the end of the two-party system in the U.S., uh, starting with him leaving his party. Uh, I believe that Republicans and Democrats will always be around, but in 15 years, they're going to look entirely different than uh, what they are now for us. Um, but yeah, thoughts? Maybe. Yeah. 
Thanks. Good to hear from you, Burnt. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. I keep time. saying long time. One of the originals. Absolutely one of the originals. Mm-hmm. Do you hear that? No. Fireworks. Oh. Out the goddamn window. Yeah. The 12th of July. Mm-hmm. Dicks. <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the question. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, I-, I agree with Bernd. This is something I've been saying. As soon as Donald Trump started picking up steam during the primaries, I said that the Republican Party as we know it is dead. I, I still maintain that. This is not the same Republican Party that pushed up against the Soviet threat in the 80s. This isn't the same Republican Party that was for, you know, God, flag, and freedom. <laughs> it's just not. Mm-hmm. This is a, a, a Trump organization. He has molded a storied political party, one with problems, but a storied political party into the party of Donald Trump and the freak show that you see before your eyes now. It's really shocking. It, it is shocking to me because this is the party of my childhood. And maybe it's just nostalgia on my part. But it's unrecognizable. And you've still got remnants. You've still got guys like, like uh, John Kasich, who does, seems more like a Democrat to me than, than he does a Republican. Yeah. You've got uh, Lindsey Graham. You've got John McCain still. There's a few holdouts. I don't know, though. I See, people include John McCain, and I always did, too. But he's been very disappointing. Yeah. Um, I mean, he'll say things to the press that are reasonable and awesome. And then when he's questioning someone during their testimony, you start to wonder, wait a minute, what were those statements that he gave to the media? He's an old dude. And yeah. look, I, I have no idea whether his cognitive function is is diminished because of his age. But you, you just don't. You're not as sharp when you're 80 years old, 85 years old, or however fucking old he is. You know, <laughs> you're just not as sharp. And I'm not defending John McCain. Uh, I guess I'm kind of yeah, defending John McCain. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that <laughs> what that have worked. You done? I'm glad that you worked through that. Well, no, listen, I. I I've got a lot of respect for a guy like John McCain and no, what, he, what he did for this country in the Vietnam War and, absolutely. and what he did for his men yeah. and being tortured for six years and breaking his arms and his collarbone and all the broken limbs. That's why he has this goofy stance with his arms. I mean, it's yeah, that is respectable. Yes. And it's hard for me to ignore that when I take in the, the, the totality of his character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, um, Donald Trump doesn't seem to care about any of that right. because he prefers men who weren't captured. He does. And unfortunately, John McCain wasn't as put off by that comment as you seem to be or as other people seem to be, as I, well, as I am. In fact, I heard someone recently say, they told me that someone told them that it, at least one thing they like about Trump is that he graduated from a military academy. <laughs> it was a high school. And I was so shocked by this comment because of all of the things that he has said about the military, if one of your priorities is how a candidate approaches issues related to the military and military support, military funding, Donald Trump has been one of the most disrespectful men to members of the military. I mean, what the hell was, was that campaigning? He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. And it isn't just that. It's the Khan family. Yeah. 
It's the fact that he's a five-time draft dodger because of his bone spurs. He's still bone spurs. Which Jesse has. As I have well. bone spurs. And <laughs> um, thanks for putting my deets on the street. Well, you ha- you have your X-ray up in a video. I know you're fine. I'm just giving you shit. Calm down over there. Anyway, I don't, don't get so hysterical. I know. Lady. I don't know where all that came from. <laughs> Well, we, we, you know, it's uh, the two-party system, and I, I think it's on its way out. I do. Uh, I don't even think it'll be 15 years, may, may, mainly because I believe that we're already witnessing most of the job being done. They're not standing by their values. They're they're creating new values, which is win at any cost. Yeah, and I, the thing that concerns me is the amount of support that Donald Trump still has. Uh, yes. Has been able to maintain. I, I think it's uh, dwindling, though. I don't think it's as strong as it once was. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, from what I see, I don't know. That's certainly true, but I mean, it's still concerning yeah, because you sure. think that it would have plummeted by now. But I mean, there would be almost no one coming to his defense at this point. Even if you look at uh, a guy like uh, Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, he is he's not in the public eye much anymore because. This administration is turns into such a, a volatile shit show. Yeah. That I think he's distanced himself and he's just he's running the DOD and he's he's not sidled up to the president. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. He's really doing what men like Rex Tellerson should be doing and taking a page out of his playbook. Unfortunately, so many of them just crave the spotlight that they're they're not doing it. So All right. Well, thank you guys for the calls. We appreciate it very much. If you, too, would like to sound off questions, comments, moving the conversation forward, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. George. George. Beautiful George. Beautiful George. Is that two or it's just one person That's... that you wanted to put a modifier on? That, yes, the latter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ty. Ty. And... I am so sorry. I. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um. I really, I don't even know what to do. And I don't want to mess it up so bad that it's like really bad. <laughs> Can if, I just spell it? Yeah. If only all of our listeners could have the name John Smith, you would be in hog heaven. A-I-G-B-E-K-A-N. Yeah. I don't know. Thank I don't. You. I don't want to ruin the name. So no, I, I know. Well, some people are sensitive about how their name is pronounced. Yeah. Well, and, and some people have gotten mad at me for really messing up their name. It's happened. I, I know. I am. Listen. Thank you, listener. And we would like call in. Yes. Or send us a, a voice memo from your smartphone that you never listen. That we, we don't have to play it. Oh, that would be great too. If you, that you never listen to the show. But we'd like to know how to pronounce everybody's name who contributes to the show. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. But thank you, guys. We want to mention one more time. Before tomorrow, today for you, 
Thursday, 8 p.m. Los Angeles time, Pacific time. We're going to be sitting down at the mics with the Google Voice number ready to go. If you have a question, if you just want to chat for five minutes about whatever topic, we will be standing by 657-464-7609. This is yet another type of bonus episode that is brought to you by our loyal and generous supporters from PayPal and Patreon and even the Amazon. Yes. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. And we love you guys. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So last time on the show, we went into a little bit of detail about uh, dickhead Donald Trump Jr. God damn, how did I forget the name when it's the president's junior? That's maybe the fifth time that I've referred to Donald Trump as a president, by the way. And Donald Trump Jr. took a meeting with Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort with a Russian. She was purportedly a Russian lawyer, a government lawyer. That was the pretense under which Donald Trump Jr. agreed to the meeting. So as far as he was concerned, he was walking into a meeting with a Russian lawyer who had dirt on Hillary Clinton. Well, as with anything related to this administration and the scandal-ridden nature of it, there's a lot to the story. So instead of fumble-fucking around and trying to explain it in my way, Vox.com, sometimes they do some good stuff, and I'm getting ready to play a clip for you that kind of breaks down the timeline about as artfully and accurately as I could have ever hoped to do it. I've often wondered what it felt like to live through Watergate. What did the president know? And when did he know it? Events have been rushing toward one seemingly inevitable conclusion. The disorientation, the confusion, the the feeling that you don't know the truth, both each and every day that goes by, knowing the truth is worse than you would possibly imagined. I think I know what it feels like now. We are filling in a picture, slowly, that unfortunately makes a lot of sense. Think back to May when President Donald Trump fired FBI Director James Comey. Why did he do that? Why did he put his whole administration at risk? Well, he had an answer. It wasn't his White House's initial answer, but he had an answer. When I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. It's an excuse by the Democrats for having lost an election that they should have won. But now it's clear that story wasn't made up. And, and what's worse, and what might explain Trump's decision to fire Comey, to obstruct justice, to risk his presidency, is that that investigation threatened the people he loves most in the world. Here's what we learned this week. On June 3rd, 2016, Donald Trump Jr. got an email. It's from a British publicist named Rob Goldstone. He was writing on behalf of a Russian businessman, Aris Agalarov, and his son, Amin. Both of these folks had worked with Donald Trump Sr. on the 2013 Miss Universe pageant in Moscow, and they'd worked with him on other endeavors. Emin, wake up. Come on. What's wrong with you? In the email, which Donald Trump Jr. released on Twitter in order to get in front of the New York Times releasing it, Goldstone says a few interesting things. 
First, he writes that Aras, the older Agalorov, met with someone he calls Russia's crown prosecutor. That's a term that in other countries describes a lawyer who argues on behalf of the state. Now, crown prosecutor, it doesn't exist in Russia. But just to be clear, the source is later described as a Russian government attorney. And what this person has is a pretty big deal. They have, quote, official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary Clinton. And they want to meet with Trump Jr. and the campaign to hand them over. The most interesting part of the email, though, the one that leaves no shadow of doubt about what was happening, here's the last sentence. This whole thing, the meeting with the lawyer about the incriminating documents, is, quote, part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. Right there, Donald Jr. is told that the meeting is part of the Russian government's effort to sway the American election to his death. And how does he respond? Does he go to the FBI? Does he ignore the email? No. Minutes later, he replies, if it's what you say, I love it. And he forwards the whole email thread to then-campaign chair Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner. They all go to this meeting with the Russian lawyer at Trump Tower. So what does this tell us? What do we learn here? First, we learn that Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort, they all knew the Russian government wanted to elect Trump. Next, it tells us all three of these men, they weren't just open to working with the Russian government against Clinton's campaign. They were actively trying to do it. They were taking meetings at a busy time in the campaign, all three of them. They were taking meetings to try to work with the Russian government. That has not been their story until now. Are there any ties between Mr. Trump, you or your campaign, and Putin and his regime? No, there are not. It's absurd. Uh, and, you know, there's no base to it. And so no and collusion so, whatsoever between anybody involved with Trump and anybody involved with Russia in the 2016 campaign? No. Just to button up one question, did any advisor or anybody in the Trump campaign have any contact with the Russians who were trying to, to meddle in the election? Oh, of course not. Now, Donald Trump says the Russian lawyer ended up having, quote, no meaningful information for them. So his defense is basically, he tried to collude with the Russian government to influence an American election, but ah, the Russian lawyer just didn't have the goods. So first, that might not matter in a court of law. The law says soliciting, accepting, or, re or receiving. He solicited, he accepted, he maybe never received it. He violated the law. But also remember, Russia did end up hacking Democratic emails and releasing them in ways and at times that helped the Trump campaign. We know about this meeting now, which doesn't seem to have been about those emails. But we don't know if there are other meetings, if there's cooperation on other questions. All we really know now is that the Trump campaign was open to. They were actively working towards colluding with Russia to influence the election. We also know that when they were told Russia was trying to help them, they didn't react with surprise or shock or fear. They said, yeah, let's take that meeting. It's always worth asking how people involved in, in clear wrongdoing might have seemed like the hero of the story to themselves. Trump and his family, they bought in the most fevered conspiracies about Clinton. He's arguably the most corrupt politician that we've ever seen in this country, right? I mean, there's no question about it. If Hillary Clinton were elected, she'd be the first president who couldn't pass a basic background check. She's a world-class liar. And they likely believe there's information crucial to American interests lurking in her documents. If they had obtained the emails or anything else and proven Clinton dangerously unfit to lead or revealed that foreign powers had more information or more leverage over American policymaking than we knew, they would have done the country a great service. Or at least it's easy to believe how they would see it that way. But what they were actually doing is working with a foreign government to influence an American election. And that's crossing a very serious line. Behind all this, I, I wonder sometimes, how hard is Vladimir Putin laughing at us right now?
It's a good question. So where we find ourselves right now is that Donald Trump Jr. released these emails via his Twitter because the New York Times came to him and they said, hey, listen, we want you to comment on this story. We're getting ready to run, but we want to give you a chance to comment because it's about you. We have these emails and we're going to print them and we're going to talk. We're going to report on them. No, he tweeted them because he's super transparent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God, well, there's probably millions of people who believe that, that he was doing the honorable thing. Which is very strange because on the last episode with Drew Levine. That's right. We read the two statements, the Saturday statement and the Sunday statement. Yes. The first one, which was completely different from the second said, one. Said, oh, I'm, I was meeting about uh, uh, adoption. He also said that Manafort and Kushner came to him about the meeting. Yes. That was that was what it was in the first statement. And in the second statement, it reversed. He said that he pulled in Kushner and Manafort. Right. He organized it and got them. Right. Like he did when he posted the email and we all saw that he forwarded the email to Manafort and Kushner. Right. So now the defense, the primary defense, is that he didn't know. Right. Well, let's let's first of all that is what they're saying. It's that I, I've never done this before. But what I want to get to is the fact that in the email, it says the Russian government has interest in helping your father's campaign for president. And he said, I love it. I love it. Let's set up the meeting. We want to do this. And now, like you're saying, he's claiming, oh, me, just a dumb guy. I don't know about politics. Was that bad? Mm-hmm. Come on. Ignorance of the law is not a defense. Well, you know who should have known better? That that should have informed him if he Absolutely. didn't know? Is Paul Manafort. That's right. When he got the email. Should have said, hey, uh, Don Jr., you shouldn't be forwarding this to me. Yeah, you not, should be forwarding this to the FBI. Not should have known. Did absolutely know He's been in the rounds in politics for decades. Yeah. I mean, if that's the defense we're going with, right? (laughs) Well, that's the other defense that we're hearing right now. And we'll get to it because I've got a long clip up, not long, but a clip of Fox News of of all these defenses. Yeah. The other one is it's not illegal to collude. So now (laughs) it's look, let's go not through a timeline here. But remember in the beginning when there was all these accusations against Mike Flynn and it was denial, denial, denial. And then there was reporting and then it was confirmed that he had meetings with Russians. And then it's, well, yeah, I did, but that's not what we talked about. And then more reporting. Oh, yeah, it is what you talked about. And then he has to resign or he was fired. And now I believe he's likely a cooperating witness. And then Jeff Sessions who on his confirmation forms, his interview forms with the Senate before he was confirmed as attorney general, nope, no meetings. He gets questions. He says to Al Franken, I never had any meetings with Russians. Yeah. We believe him because why not? Then it's reported, yep, this fucker had meetings with Russians, multiple meetings with Russians. He goes back, says, oh, sorry, I forgot let me update my questionnaire to the Senate and then ultimately has to recuse himself from the Russia investigation. So before we knew, 
no way. Once we know, well, yeah. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But then you got <laughs> then you got Jared Kushner. Same deal. Never wet, met with any Russians. Doesn't put any meetings with Russians down on his top secret security clearance form. And then until we find out, until reporting from the media, yep, there was meetings with Russians. Now I have to amend my security clearance form. And now the question is, he was in this other meeting with a Russian. Was this meeting also left off and he's going to have to add that too? How many more meetings have these people had that we don't know about that we're going to have to find out about that they're, they're going to deny until it's revealed? Well, also, at what point do we start asking why are they lying about this? If there was nothing untoward, if there was nothing sinister, there would be nothing to lie about. Because I think a few months ago on the show, I said that wouldn't it be hilarious if there really was nothing here and it right. was just Donald Trump's inability to have any sort of negative comment about him and his family. Yeah. Right. Um, but now I'm just that doesn't make sense anymore because why is it all of these people that are connected? Yeah. Right. That are engaging in the same behavior. It seems problematic. Well, this might be the nail in the coffin because this is Donald Trump Jr., Donald Trump can't distance himself from his oldest son like he did Paul Manafort when Sean Spicer from the White House podium said, well, he had a limited role in the campaign. Limited role in the campaign? He was your campaign manager, you dick. There was no limited role. He didn't have limited access. He was the guy. And why did he have to resign? Because of his dealings with pro-Russia parties interfering in the goings-on in Ukraine. He had to quit because of Russia ties. Well, and what's unfortunate is the ability of people to talk about Russia as a foreign adversary because ever since Donald Trump has been elected, there's been that switch. Yeah, goddamn. Right? Yeah. Where Republicans now view Russia more favorably. Because of all of the comments coming from Donald Trump. It's pretty unbelievable. And it is unbelievable. So now you have people denying reality. I mean, there was that unbelievable moment when Donald Trump met Putin at the G20 summit. And Putin leaned over and was pointing at the reporters and made a joke about, are these the ones giving you trouble? Yeah. And Donald Trump kind of pointed at them and laughed, you know, said, yeah, these are the ones. That's not funny. Not it's. It's it's scary. It's Putin, not funny. Putin has killed journalists. M countless members of the press who are in opposition to him and are are harsh giving him coverage. And there's the the president of the United States uh should be a staunch supporter of the free press, right? At completely at odds with the way that Vladimir Putin chooses to do things. Yeah. And he's laughing with him. Yeah, having a good old time. Rubbing his back. <laughs> Rubbing his goddamn back. It's pretty it's pretty shocking. Well, here, look, I was gonna play this a little later, but here are ten times this is put together by CNN. Ten times Trump aides deny Russian collusion. It's disgusting. It's so phony. Every time Russia's brought up, they say, oh Trump. 
What do I have to do with it? I have nothing to do with Russia, folks, okay? Are there any ties between Mr. Trump, you or your campaign, and Putin and his regime? No, there are not. It's absurd, uh, and you know, there's no base to it. Absolutely not, and I discussed that with the president-elect just last night. Those conversations never happened. Of course not. Why would there be any contacts between the campaign? Uh, Chris, the, 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 this is all a distraction. So no and collusion so, whatsoever between anybody him. involved with Let's Trump and anybody involved with Russia in the 2016 campaign? No. How many people have to say that there's nothing there before you realize there's nothing there? There is no collusion between me and my campaign and the Russians. But the entire thing has been a witch hunt, and uh, there is no collusion between certainly myself and my campaign. But I can always speak for myself and the Russians, zero. There has been no obstruction. There has been no collusion. There has been leaking by Comey. But there's been no collusion, no obstruction, and virtually everybody agrees to that. Yeah. So those comments range, everybody, from Trump Jr. to Spicer to Donald Trump himself, Paul Manafort, Mike Pence. A lot. There's a lot, high-level people here that are all denying what we all know now to be completely false. Well, you know, another or everything that they're they're denying is true. Their statements are false. Another aspect to this is that Donald Trump Jr. has repeatedly now said that Donald Trump didn't know about this meeting. Now, Donald Trump was in Trump Tower while this meeting was taking place. That's right. So who believes that he didn't know about this meeting? Well, listen. 70- also, why would they hide it from him if there wasn't a problem? Right. 72 hours later is when he made his big announcement. Listen, in the next couple weeks, we're going to have a big announcement about a whole bunch of dirt about Hillary Clinton. A meeting, an announcement that never came. But they were very excited about the prospect of getting this information from the Russians. So much so that they preemptively, before getting the information, made an announcement. Only 72 hours after this email that's now been tweeted out by Donald Trump Jr. That the Times was going to release. This isn't good for them. The special prosecutor is... Now it's being reported definitely going to be probing these new events. This is probably not going to come as a huge surprise entirely, but the investigators working for Robert Mueller are now planning to to examine the meeting and the exchanges, the email exchanges that Donald Trump Jr. today disclosed uh, publicly. And uh, the, the full details of the of the meeting and uh, of these interactions was not fully known to the FBI. The FBI has been taking a look at this, as you know, uh, for about a year. Uh, but they didn't know all of these interactions, uh, at least I'm told, uh, until recently. So uh, what has happened more recently is that Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, has amended his SF-86 form. This is the, the, the form that he submitted to in order to get a, a permanent security clearance from the FBI. As part of that process, Jared Kushner disclosed this meeting because he attended it, as you know, uh, with uh, Paul Manafort, the then ch- chairman of the campaign, uh, as well as Don Jr. So all of this is now one reason why the FBI is going to take a look at all, all of this. The FBI investigators that are working with Robert Mueller's team, uh, it should be noted that uh, the FBI has in the past year taking a look, taking a look at uh, Don Jr.'s finances, his uh, associations, as part of the broader look uh, at 
that whether or not there was any collusion or whether or not there's any ties to Russia that uh, crossed over into criminal territory. Obviously, that is something that's been going on now for about a year. So, like you were saying, Brittany, this let's live in this bizarro world where they did nothing wrong. It's just a a, a, a series of 1,000 coincidences that lead everybody to think about Russia. Just like striking the lottery 10 times in a row. That's the odds uh, that there wouldn't be anything going on with all of these connections to Russia. The way they're reacting and all of these statements in the past that they've made are going to be looked at by the prosecutor, Bob Mueller, and it's not going to be good for them. This is going to be... D- a direction that they didn't plan to go. And ultimately, look, these emails, this is the smoking gun. This is, go- I've seen people tweet that Donald Trump Jr. is his own deep throat, which is a term, uh, a code name used by the deputy director of the FBI during Watergate, who was the unnamed source that was given up all the dirt during Watergate on Nixon and they've done themselves in and I don't know if it's because of their fucking stupidity or their hubris their arrogance they're thinking that they're above the law they can get away with anything and that's likely what it is because it seems like Donald Trump has gotten away with all kinds of stuff being a billionaire in New York City he avoided federal prosecution because he was under the radar but it seems like even the state prosecutors kind of left him alone because it's donald trump yeah i i think it remains to be seen whether they've done themselves in at this point especially when you turn on the tv yeah or log on to the internet and you see these <laughs> um <laughs> communities of people that that is a kind way to say it that are still uh viciously defending this family at all costs. That is an apt way to put it. And it, it is really surprising. And and Fox News, honestly, <laughs> I mean, I think back two years ago and or when we first started this podcast and I think we had Fox News and I used we to did, watch yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I used to watch it. And because I've always loved Shep and I used to watch Bill O'Reilly show as well. Um, you way more than me. I've always kind of shied away. Yeah, I don't know. There was something about him that I didn't hate as much. Yeah. For some reason. Then. Then. Not now. We've learned some stuff now. <laughs> we People can change. I mean, I, I changed in my hatred. Okay. And so <laughs> what in the hell was I saying? They used to watch Fox News. Okay. And now I see clips from it and it just is this whole different animal. I think so, too. And it was bad then, but it's off the fucking charts now. Yeah. The I mean, if you're watching that and that's your only source of information, your worldview is so warped. Well, let me play that opposition positions. Yeah. Most of this is Fox News. This and then after this, we're going to play a clip of, of Sebastian Gorka, who is a special assistant to the president of the United States on security matters he's the guy with the giant pumpkin head that's even bigger than sean hannity's but first we're going to play the opposition positions and then i want to i want to talk about 
the, how the White House is dealing with this from a messaging standpoint. I said yesterday, it's an insult to nothing burgers, and I'll double down on that. You know, during the campaign season, you get a lot of phone calls, hey, I got some dirt on your opponent. It happens every day. This is the kind of thing that, that uh, happens all the time in politics. If your charge is collusion, you've come to the wrong spot. There's nothing there. It didn't happen. Nothing took mm -hmm. place. Point to me a statute that makes it a crime to collude with a foreign government in American political campaigns. If this lawyer was such a threat and a Russian agent or a spy, then why did the Obama administration let her into this country? You know what else is a little more sketchy than I think than this? Why? Hillary accepting and soliciting million-dollar checks from Saudi tycoons. What about the Ukrainian involvement with the Clinton campaign? I blame Paul Manafort for all of this. This seems to be a setup of some sort. <laughs> I believe Don Jr. is the victim here. What was he trying to do? He was trying to help his father. God damn. Even if you just think about pure repetition... And this being repeatedly stated and put into people's head. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's obviously problematic. And I, I've been very hesitant to make blanket judgments about Fox News. But it's, it's just starting to become more clear. They've turned the corner. And even the other day, uh, someone tossed to Shep Smith. And did we play that on the last show? We didn't, no. And there were there were riots, quote-unquote riots, happening out in front of the G20. At least this is what this woman was saying. She was saying that riots were happening outside the G20. And she tosses to Shep, and Shep is trying to... Um, Keep his composure. Yeah, suppress his laughter. <laughs> and he kind of chuckles a little bit and says, this is hardly a riot. Right? Yeah. And he criticizes her. Yeah. I mean, he corrects the information that she was just providing to the viewers. Well, and they also have live shots. Yes. Now, look, some bad shit went down to the G20. Cars were burned. Uh, anarchists went a little nutty. Well, they went a lot nutty. They acted like dicks and animals. But at the moment that she was reporting... They were showing live footage. ...of calm crowds. Police and protesters intermingling. Yeah, and Shep said, we can hardly call this a riot. Yeah. And kind of giggled. So you have even people on Fox News that are butting up against their own, their coworkers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What an interesting position to be in. Pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah, and when I say I was hesitant to make a blanket judgment, I just, I've always run into these people in the past. This is maybe, I'm talking five years ago you know, who would criticize Fox News. And I still felt as though there was value there. I like Chris Wallace. I like Shepard Smith. And now I'm starting to see, though, that the majority of these people, uh, they aren't really interested in truth um, or being reasonable or trying to actually give the information to the people. Yeah. And I think that that's problematic. And then the viewers are only there to validate their worldview. Yeah, and I and mean they get fed by yeah, Fox News. Yeah, and that happens with liberals too. But excuse me, Fox News. <laughs> yeah, and of course this happens with everybody, right? That's what everyone's inclination is. But when I watch other news sources, I don't see it as much, and it really isn't just because I agree with it. Yeah, because I really go out of my way to check myself. Even today, I said something to you. When I hear Donald Trump talking or Sarah Huckabee Sanders talking, I always try to check myself and say, am I getting air angry just yeah. because I dislike them? Right. Listen, I've been very critical of CNN. 
I took them to task very hard right. and found myself aligned with alt-right assholes over the whole threatening... Hand asshole solo. The 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 Reddit guy. Yeah. So I'm with you. I do like them. I, I think some of their characters or their personalities are, are, are good over there. I, I enjoy watching. But they're not... I don't watch it to fuel my worldview. I watch it for information. And when they're fucking wrong, they're wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, as promised, we're going to play part of this Anderson Cooper interview with uh, Sebastian Gorka. Gorka. And it is remarkable that this guy was dispatched by the White House to do an interview on a primetime news program. And this is the tone that he brought with him to Anderson Cooper and his earnest, legitimate questions. Mr. Gorka, thanks very much for being with us. Um, I want to ask you about a number of things. The president's trip to France was very important, also uh, the victory in Iraq and Mosul. I do want to start off with what Dan and others are reporting. The, the president has had four days now without an event on his public schedule. Uh, you've heard the reporting that there's a bunker mode in parts of the White House since the news of Donald Trump Jr. broke. I want you to be able to comment on that. Oh, absolutely. It's laughable. Uh, your Chiron talked about a crisis. Your reporter talked about a bunker mentality. I actually work in the West Wing. I work in the White House. It is absolutely nothing of the kind. Uh, we are pushing the Make America Great Again agenda. The president is a steam locomotive that will not be stopped. It's just fake news. I I'm sad to see CNN fall to this. I know you want salacious, sensational uh, coverage for your ratings so your corporate sponsors and owners will have you know, more money. But that's, that's not media. That's not reportage. It's just fake news. Okay. I I'm just going to ignore the insults because I don't think it really gets us anywhere. Again. It's not about you. It's about actually having journalism back on TV. Okay. Now, wh where are the Walter Cron Cronkites of, of yesteryear? This is just about ratings and money. It's, it's, it's actually quite sad. So the president tweeted today, when you hear the words <laughs> sources say from the fake media, oftentimes those sources are made up and do not exist. I'm wondering how the president can actually make that claim when all the reporting by the New York Times and the meeting his son held with the Russian attorney had been proven by his son's own emails, which he only released after the Times was going to publish the contents of them. Is that the same way that all the unnamed sources said that uh, Director Comey, including CNN, was going to completely uh, gainsay everything the president said about their meeting 24 hours before his testimony. Right, that was reported. And that which, was reporting was wrong, CNN... and we corrected ourselves. Uh, unlike the right. White House, which has never corrected itself on anything. But I'm giving you an opportunity right now to correct what the president said this morning, because what he is alleging is that the reporting is fake, and in fact, his son's own email chain shows that it's accurate. Do you deny that? No, I, I, I deny the fact that there's anything here that's untoward. This is, again, this okay. is an obsessive so, nine-month okay, but you do, not deny, you do not deny that all the sourcing for the New York Times was correct on the story, and the president is wrong when he's saying the anonymous sourcing is fake news. Oh, I stand by what the president said, and I stand by what his son said. We are incredibly impressed by uh, Don Jr.'s transparency and the fact that he actually published these emails and said he will right, cooperate with, anybody, with let's, anybody. Let's be honest here, though. He only published these emails because the New York Times got the emails and was going to publish them, and then he smartly got ahead of it. And the only reason that this story has lasted so long 
is because he wasn't transparent from the beginning. Even Trey Gowdy today said, and I quote, if you had a contact with Russia, tell the special counsel about it. Don't wait for the New York Times to figure it out. Why not be upfront and transparent on Saturday when he was first approached? This story only has legs because the fake news industrial complex is obsessed. Nine months of accusations with zero, zero evidence of anything illegal. On the contrary, the DNC sends its operative onto the soil of a foreign nation, to the embassy of the Ukraine, not to collect dirt, but to actually use it in a coordinated campaign with a foreign government. That's what CNN should be covering. But why aren't okay. you? Well, uh, two things on that. First of all, you're avoiding answering the question about Donald Trump's lack of transparency beginning total transparency so him saying that this meeting was about adoption issues about his concern for it, orphans it was that was, it was absolutely misrepresented the individual who requested the meeting right, no, no, but that's what he said the meeting was about on Saturday when he knew all along by Saturday that's not what the meeting was about so that's not being transparent right when when he gave as much information as was necessary to be put out there after the, the it wasn't correct information it wasn't correct it was information. absolutely it was about absolutely. this meeting was about adoption about all, orphans. all of it was true all of it was this true. meeting that was somebody about wanted to provide negative information that at the end he of the meeting it was under false pretenses that it ended up being about adoption and then do we do you really want to talk i thought we we're going to talk about real issues like what we're doing with our allies in france i, I am ISIS. going to ask you but but you're but not being honest you're not being up front Anderson, how many minutes are we in? Are you, are you a TV producer now? You're concerned about how minutes we're going to No, I'm just disappointed again. You've got to go. You gotta go. The you fake gotta news go. Trap. Okay. You're falling into the fake news trap again, and it's sad, Anderson. Okay. I mean, you're like shiny, you know, you're like you're, you're shaking shiny objects to try to divert people, but I don't think viewers are really <laughs> no, that, that you're, easily you know, you know why? You know why the president's description of a witch hunt is accurate? Because there never were witches, and there never was any collusion. It's... Okay. All right, I'm going to stop it there. I'm going to stop it there. There was never any collusion. Even though we have an email that he released in which a meeting was set up because of information that he was going to be getting, presumably from the Russian government, about his political opponent, his father's political opponent. That is collusion with a foreign power. Not getting the information doesn't mean, oh, I tried to collude, but they didn't have it. They didn't have the information I needed, so it's not collusion. That's not how it works, folks. I know it's frustrating when you're dealing with someone like this, um, especially when they're so smug. But I wish... Absolutely. No collusion. Oh. <laughs> I wish that... Where are the Walter Cronkites, <laughs> Brittany? Mm. <laughs> I wish that Anderson would... I was promised tea, Brittany. <laughs> Where's my tea? I wish every time Anderson um, was insulted by him, the fake news comments, that he would take it as a win, right? Yeah. Just like anyone says, you're a fat cook. That's me, everybody. Yeah. Um, Big old fat cook. That's, that's a win, right? When someone can't argue with you and instead they insult you. Yeah. And they become petty. I mean, Anderson was getting to him because yeah. he had nothing else to say he refused to answer the questions he was getting his little talking points in there his cute little line about witches right well that, that's that's the thing here is that this is the talking point from the white house now from donald trump's camp they're leaning into this hard that no he was being completely transparent they're saying the sky is green when it's clearly blue he did nothing wrong 
he the, the meeting was about adoption. That is what it was about. When we know from the email that he provided us that it was not about adoption. And it wouldn't be about adoption anyway. It would be about the Magnitsky Act, which is sanctions against Russia. And in retaliation, Russia said Americans can't adopt Russian children. So we would have no control over whether Russia allows Americans to adopt Russian children. She wants the sanctions dropped. That's what she's about. That was the other pretext for the meeting that they're saying now, even though the original reason was absolutely to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. Smoking goddamn gun. No good. Not looking good. The next few months are going to be very exciting. Very interesting. How about that? We'll say that. How about that, Brittany? Yes. How about that? Mm-hmm. All right. Listen, we love you guys. Tomorrow night, again, we're going to be waiting by the phones at 8 p.m. Pacific time to take your calls. If you get the voicemail after 8, that means we're on a call with someone. Wait a few minutes and call back until you get us. That's the best way to do it. Don't leave a voicemail after 8. If you get voicemail, that means we're on the phone. We'll probably be sitting here for an hour, hour and a half or so. And we'd love to talk to you. So call with something good. Call with something real. No pressure. Yeah. Brittany's fucking throwing on the pressure. Oh, sorry. (laughs) If you call and say something and it's not good, I'm just going to say, nah, and Jesse's going to hang up. (laughs) So also tomorrow morning, we have an in-studio guest. We do. That I think I consider big time. Yeah. It's really exciting. Some might not think big time. Well, it depends on where you live. It also depends on what you're interested in. But if you're interested in the show, you'll think it's big time, too. These are some hints, everybody. No hints at all. I gave a hint. All right, I'll give a hint. It's a dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Listen, if you want to support the show, we would love to have you on board, pushing us toward that mark of a third episode per week. Dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link that says support the show. There you will find several different ways. Patreon, PayPal, Amazon. Well, not several, three. (laughs) Anyway, we'd love to have you on board helping us support the show uh, and moving us toward that third episode. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. What kind of justification can I mount for myself if my goddamn co-host what I'm saying is also is, identifying me as a radical? What I'm saying is they have a point, and 